On this week's On the Road podcast, we'll consider a few questions we've received lately from our YouTube viewers. There's such a variety of questions that come in from our videos that we thought it might be interesting to our listeners as well. So let's go ahead and jump in. Here's a storage question. I'm looking to get a camper, but do not have a place to keep it at the house. What do you look for when you're looking at camper storage places? And here's my reply. As far as storage, I would look for fenced and gated with a passcode and paved or graveled. It also needs to be actively managed, meaning there are cameras on the storage area, and things aren't overgrown. I'd also avoid too small a place or somewhere where you would be the only RV. So let's dissect that for just a second. First of all, about fenced and gated. I mean, I do store my R-Pod off-premises at a place that's like this. It's fenced and gated, has a passcode to passcode in behind the fence, and it's paved. Now, a few points there. First of all, you want security. You don't want your RV to be easily accessible by anybody who's walking by or in an adjacent lot, etc. And also, you want basically, you want paved and or graveled, because what you don't want is grass growing underneath your RV, and that'll make it easier for rodents to uh, come by your RV and be hidden, which they like to be. They like to be hidden. So you want to make sure that it's paved or graveled so it's not easily accessed by rodents. Not that it'll never be accessed, or rodents won't ever come near it, but it's a lot more open if you have paved or graveled. Also, things just won't grow up. So you won't have weeds grow up and touching your RV and potentially other things like ants getting into your RV more easily. The next thing I say is it needs to be actively managed, meaning you need to store your RV at a place that actually has someone around and that would have cameras on the storage area when someone isn't around. And that's all security things. And most storage places that are gated with a a passcode will have something like this. So you need to look at things like that. It's not necessarily going to be inexpensive where you live, but uh, important to understand that. And my last point there was about avoiding things too small because you really want other RVs or other storage uh, things around so that you're not the only RV or only item of interest in the area. So there's a few things to do with that answer. Uh, The next one comes from Harley, and it has to do with our video about RV leaks that we put out a few weeks ago. So here it is. John, wondering why new floor was necessary. The floor is in an area that nobody sees. So what he's talking about is my R-Pod had a leak at the baggage door area, cargo door area, and I actually tore into it and had to take the vinyl floor out of the cargo area to find the leak and do a repair. And I actually put better vinyl back in. And his question is, why would you even put flooring back in, new vinyl back in when no one goes back there? And my response is, I didn't want to leave the floor uncovered as the new vinyl does provide a bit of water and scuff protection to the wood subfloor. The old vinyl floor is pretty much unusable once I cut it out. So my reply to Harley basically was that I wanted to put new flooring in for a couple reasons. First of all, if there were water to get back into the cabin back there, into the cargo area, it wouldn't automatically go right on the wooden floor, right? So that's an important first point. And the second thing is, it also provides a bit of scuff protection. So you're putting a lot of stuff in and out, if you're like me, into your cargo area, some things that may scuff or, or uh, you know, scour the flooring. Well, I'd rather do that to the vinyl floor than the wooden subfloor, maybe chip it or make it weaker in any way, uh, break uh, some of the wood up. So you got to be a little careful there. So I think it's a smart idea that if you're going to take vinyl flooring outing out of a cargo area that you replace it with vinyl flooring. 
So another good question, that one from Harley. Ken asks a really interesting question about dump station. Actually, Ken's going to give his idea about dump stations. I'm going to reply a couple times here to Ken. So, you know, our most, uh, our most popular video is Dump Station Basics, which you've had a lot of hits on and it's helped quite a few people. But once in a while, I'll have someone, and Ken's an example of this, who's experienced, who comes along and challenges a bit of my logic. And I respond to him with some questions. So let's, let's get into this. So Ken says it's an important topic for our viewers. Since holding up traffic at a dump station can be a major source of aggravation for folks, there are several pre-staging and post-staging things we can do that you didn't mention that can hasten our turn at the dump. If it takes more than three minutes to dump and move ahead for the next person, you're taking too long. I've been RVing for 30 years and have a process uh, down to dump the tanks in under three minutes. I have a 30-gallon wastewater tank. And see no reason other campers can't dump and move out in under five minutes. I will have my gloves on and dump hose and flush hose hooked up and hanging on the side of my camper when I'm next in line to dump. Most dump stations have a rinse hose, so a quick flush to rinse out my dump hose takes only seconds. I'll stow my hoses after I pull forward enough to make room for the next RVer. So what Ken is saying is basically he's going to hook everything up, including his hose, before he moves up. He's in line behind you, and he's already got his dump hose hooked up to his exit uh, area for his black tank or gray tank. And he's dragging it along, it sounds like, along the, along the ground to bring it to the dump station so that he doesn't have to hook it up. So that's definitely going to save some time. But I asked Ken a, a few questions here, and he replies. I said, uh, Ken, so you don't do a black tank flush ever on your tank, correct? Do you do anything differently if no one is behind you in line? Which is a good question. I think my black tank would take at least three minutes to drain. And my gray, about the same if I did nothing else. My concern would be not getting it empty enough in that short of time, and over time losing capacity on the tank via material buildup. Have you seen this, or do you trade RVs soon enough that it doesn't become an issue? So my response to Ken is, you know, are you ever black tank flush? You're saying get in and out of there for in three minutes. But I'm saying, well, how can you do that? How can you keep your black tank clean enough over time? Aren't you going to do a, a flush that's just not very thorough? If you're just emptying it when you go to the dump station, I mean, when are you going to flush this thing? Otherwise, what you're going to do is have buildup, and that tank is going to be pretty much lower capacity over time. And Ken replied, he said, LOL, you make an important point, John. Wastewater tanks need to be flushed on a regular basis for obvious reasons. I have a septic dump port at home, so I do a thorough cleaning after my camping trip. The same can be done when folks are not waiting at the dump station. However, in the interim... Onboard water can be emptied into the black tank via to dilute it prior to arriving at the dump station. Also, newbies must understand that when we hooked up the full service at an RV park, the black water valve must be left closed until it's empty, again, for obvious reasons. So Ken's coming back and saying, oh, yeah, you're right. You do have to flush the black tank. But guess what? I have something at home that I can do that. I have a, a, sept, a septic dump port at home. Well, that's kind of nice, isn't it? I mean, most of us don't have that. So we can't just leave the tank uh, full of junk still just slightly flush for just getting the liquids out but the solids kind of still remain and then come home and do a thorough job of it which he apparently has so you got to kind of question things like this at times and I know he was well-intentioned but three minutes is just not optimal for most people so don't feel like you've got to take that as gospel because most of us have to go and, and, and flush something out to get the tank and keep the tank in good shape and you can't really do that in three minutes if there's no one behind you by the way if you if you've looked at my 
dump station basics, I tell you to flush the tanks, right? And I flush it even if there's someone behind me. I just do a quicker job. If there's no one behind me, I take a pretty long time to flush my tanks because I want to keep them clean. My final reply to Ken was, Ken, thanks for replying further insights. I'd love to be able to have a septic dump at home. Must be very convenient. I think your point about putting water into the black tank before going to the dump station is a good one to reiterate. Many times campers have plenty of fresh water remaining that could push more into the black tank to fill it before hitting the dump station. So that's my reply. Basically, that is a good point Ken makes. You can empty your fresh water tank, what you have remaining, into your black tank through your toilet. So you have a pretty full tank when you're flushing. That's really important when you're flushing your tanks. You have a lot of water and liquids in the black tank before you actually do your flush at the dump station, especially if you can't do a black tank flush using a hose. Uh, the more water you can have up into the black tank is a good thing, right, when you're flushing. So, interesting. We have another question about dump station basics from a newbie, and he asks, what do you do with your black hose? Have never done this, but before I remove my gloves, wouldn't you lift the open end so anything in it went into the septic and then put it in the tote. I think I would put pig mats in the tote, then stick it in the storage area. My first go is definitely going to be a time of it and when it's not busy. So basically what this person is saying is, what do you do with the black tank flush hose uh, once you use it? Because he's never done this, a little concerned, and that's, that's a reason why people watch this video. So basically the first thing you do when you're done with it is you do lift up the black tank hose from the RV side, leave it hooked up to the sewer side and let it drain. Now remember you're supposed to do your black tank first then the gray tank. The gray tank is more fresh water, uh, wastewater, and it will flush a lot of the sediment and materials out of the black tank side when you're flushing. So it's a good idea to do that. Always do the black tank first and then the gray tank. But how I replied to this one was that I, I use a five gallon bucket to store my black tank hose in the bed of my truck. Basically, it's a regular five gallon bucket you can get at Home Depot or anywhere. And I just basically wrap it up and put it in the five gallon bucket when I'm done. Put the lid on it and it sits in the back of my truck. I do not put the black tank hose ever in the trailer in any way, whether it be in the trailer or whether it be in the cargo area of the trailer. The only other place that people put it often is in the bumper and that's fine. And there's some RVs like my R-Pod actually have a have a hose container under the R-Pod that you can just put the hose in. I prefer to put it in the bucket. That way it's easy to take out when I'm done. I'm not getting the bumper all dirty and any other part of the RV dirty. So I can just take the bucket out and rinse it out when I get home, clean it up. Okay, another question, this from Mary. How do you remove silicon from windows of the R-Pod safely? So you're talking about silicone cock, which can be kind of sticky difficult to get off. So my response here was I use a plastic auto trim tool. Now there's other things like there's plastic razor blades and stuff which I haven't used so I can't recommend them but I do have an I have a set actually an automotive trim tool set you can find on the Amazon uh, storefront and I use that automotive trim tool to kind of just get in behind the silicon and scrape it out. A lot of times the silicon will be stick and kind of gluey and you can get under it and pull a whole string of it off. You just get it, get under it with the automotive trim tool, which is plastic, by the way, so you're not damaging the fiberglass or scraping the metal. And you get under it, and you can it'll come off sometimes pretty easily with an automotive trim tool. So that's something if you haven't thought about. It's nice to have those for other reasons as well. I've used those automotive trim tools for scraping off decals, etc. So they come in really handy. Next question was removing water after dewinterization. This is from Rick. 
After you rinse the bleach out of the lines, do you also need to drain the water from the water pump as well, or do you leave water in your water pump? So that's a basic newbie question because you may just not know that you can do that. But once you dewinterize, the plumbing system is ready to go. You're going to have water in the lines. You don't have to drain anything else out at that point unless your temperatures are going to uh, go below freezing. So basically, and this is a really important point when you winterize, is to remember, and this is the problem, by the way, I have with just using the compressed air method, which some guys do fine with, and that's great. But the compressed air method, when you're not using pink antifreeze, you're blowing air through all the lines, getting all the water out. And some folks are really good at this, and more power to you, great. I use RV antifreeze because one of the main points of problems you can run into is you don't get all the water out of the water pump. That freezes up in the winter, especially up here in Michigan, and some parts of that pump will crack or cause problems. And so you don't want to damage the water pump. Now, this is the opposite side. Rick is asking about dewinterization. And once you dewinterize, you're fine because you can just keep water in the entire system, including the water pump. Now, if you're going to go below freezing at any point, you got to be a little more careful. And I have a whole video on freeze warning tips on the channel if you're interested in that. Uh, we have a question on winterization from Daniel. And this is, once you empty your fresh water tank, do you close the valve for winter or do you keep it open? Are there other ways to get 20 PSI through the lines without buying a compressor? So really good question. And I replied to Daniel, I do close the drain valve on the freshwater tank after draining it and leave it that way off season. Basically, you know, once that freshwater tank is drained, I don't want anything getting up in there. Now, that's not a big opening, a little nozzle where you drain the freshwater tank, but still it's an opening. So you don't want anything getting in there, so I just keep it closed off season. The other part of his question is, I, I just don't know of any other way to blow out the plumbing lines at that 20 PSI other than with compressed air. Now, there may be other people who've done other things, but I think you're going to need to invest in some sort of inexpensive air compressor, and you can get them for less than $100 from a big box hardware store. And it's a good investment in keeping your RV tires at proper inflation and also using it to blow out the lines for winterization. So I think it's just a good idea if you're going to spend you know thousands and thousands of dollars for an RV they may want to also invest a little less than $100 on a decent compressor to keep your tires inflated properly and to use it for winterization. Okay, so that'll do it for today's podcast. Remember, you can find more great information on living life remotely on johnmarucci.com. We've got a lot of new resources, by the way. As always, we appreciate your support of this show and the channel by starting your shopping from our Amazon storefront. Just go to johnmarucci.com and click the Amazon store link. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. This is John Marucci, and so long for now.